Welcome back to another episode of the High Impact Health Podcast with your host, Dr. Diamond Jones. Today's episode is brought to you by the Prehab Plus program, a monthly program that is used to supplement your existing program that helps improve your back squats, your deadlifts, and your running time. This program includes a month-long generalized mobility and flexibility program used for all levels of athletes nutritional tips, and a free Facebook group that allows you to be a part of a community to ask questions and to chat with me, Dr. D, about any question that you may have. So head on over to highimpactpt.com and click on the Prehab Plus program. Thank you. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the High Impact Health Podcast with your host, Dr. Diamond Jones, physical therapist and fitness coach, and today I have a magnificent guest. And although we had some technical difficulties before we got on, he was very patient with me, changed the schedule around. You know, he he basically told his family, no, I'm not going to go out to a friend's uh, house. I'm going to stay here and have this podcast. We're going to talk a little bit. I have no other than John Flagg, coach, online strength and conditioning sport coach, a clinical athlete provider, um, USA powerlifter. I mean, he got all kinds of different certifications. And if you want any kind of inquiries from him, especially at the end of this podcast, please feel free to DM him. He'll have all his plugs at the end for that good stuff. Thank you, sir. Oh, also to athletic trainer. Uh, let's not forget that. Thank you, sir, for, for hopping on here with me. No problem, man. It's, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, no, for sure. So uh, tell the uh, the audience that don't already know all of your great content and all of your great stuff, a little bit about you. Where did you go to athletic training school? What's your powerlifting background? All that fun stuff. Uh, I did my undergrad at Salisbury University. Um, in my opinion, one of the top AT schools in the country. A uh, little little gem over in, in Maryland, Eastern Shore. And I got my master's degree at Penn State and did all my graduate assistant stuff there with their high-octane uh, baseball and soccer programs. Um, from there, I actually have stayed in the same position since I got out of school. So I'm now the wellness director for orthopedic and sports physical therapy, which is a PT clinic in White Plains, Maryland. I started off as a traditional outreach secondary school athletic trainer. Um, unfortunately, we, we lost the contract through some business stuff with the county, and I stayed on the clinic and was the only AT that stayed. Uh, and since then, just through working hard and learning and reading and being challenged by other professionals. Um, I've established enough value that I am the wellness director and run all of our cash-based clinical services, uh, work hardening and work conditioning program, um, a coaching program through there, and I think that's it. Um, I'm also the strength and conditioning coach, well, strength coach running powerlifting, weightlifting, and strongman training out of 301 Strong, which is a gym that's literally right across the street from the clinic. Um, and I'm the owner-operator of Rebuild Stronger Online, which is an online coaching platform for athletes who've been through injury or sustaining a couple things and, and want to get a little bit better and stronger. Cool. So needless to say, you do quite a bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm busy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I keep myself really busy. Yeah, for sure, man. So how long have you been in that position that you're in now? Uh, I'm coming on 10 years. Oh man. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right before we hopped on the call, you said that you've been doing this athletic training game for 13 years and I did not believe you whatsoever, man. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. AT is different from PT because to the, the certification is an undergraduate program. Yeah. 
So as soon as you come out, you can actually start practicing as long as you obviously pass the certification exam. And depending on your state, you go and apply for licensure. Um, I took the next step and went and got a master's degree from Penn State as a GA because my parents are really smart. And they said, if you want to go get a master's degree, you got to find somebody to pay for it. Um, so thank graciously, uh, Penn State paid for, paid me and paid for it. Um, so I could further my education and work with some fantastic individuals at that school. Yeah. I'm sick to my parents right now. And I'm like, you told me to go to grad school. You didn't tell me that they had to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. paid them a lot of money, but needless to say, I enjoyed the education. So for sure, man. So let's talk about some, some powerlifting stuff. We're both obviously into that game. You participated in the docs who lift competition at, and that's kind of what got us started. So I appreciate that. So how long have you been doing the powerlifting game? What have been like your, your, your journey with that? Were you ever a huge competitor? Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, my, my dabbling in powerlifting started in grad school. Yeah. Um, I, in, in undergrad, I had a pretty strict schedule because we would wake up in the morning and go do morning treatments that last anywhere between one and two hours. I'd go to class, I'd do pre-practice treatments, sit out of practice, then do post-practice treatments, <laughs> and then practice taping and splinting and studying with you know a small group of my friends. Our, our class is very small all the way through undergrad. It's like right. 12 to 16 people. So you get real tight with them. And then a, a even smaller group of that would go lift. Right. Um, and we just did like the typical like Arnold Bible stuff, you know, trying to make our, our shoulders wider and all that hogwash. Yeah. Um, and then in, in grad school, uh, I followed actually a, a, one of my best friends, Will Lawhorn, um, who's an AT now still. And we started powerlifting in college in, in grad school. And that's when I started to dabble with it. And I stuck with it for a long time. Just the, the typical thing you, you would normally see. Picked up five three one, started trolling through Elite FTS, um, T Nation when it was still half decent, um, and just picking up as many resources as I could. Then I did weightlifting for like five years. Um, okay. I never competed when I was in college. I just struggled. <laughs> I just, just tried to, to lift as heavy as possible like an idiot all the time. Right. Um, and then I found weightlifting because it is gorgeous and it's probably one of the most coordinated and magnificent sports I've ever seen requiring strength and speed and balance that I don't think really any other sport requires. Did that for five years, was competitive in the regional area. I, I say that because I was dumb, dumb strong, right? Yeah. Like I had a big, a pretty big squad, a pretty big deadlift at the time. So I just kind of muscled everything. Yeah. Um, and then I had my first kid. Okay. And three-hour training sessions went out the window. <laughs> uh, so I moved back into powerlifting. And I, I'd say I've probably been, been back into that now for four or five years. Um, mm -hmm. Competed at USAPL Nationals. Um, I, I coach, at this point, probably 40 or 50 people. Um, we, we've sent quite a few people to nationals. Tommy Hawks is a, is a friend of mine who I, I coach and he placed third in 2017 at super heavyweight behind um, the the great Ray, Ray Williams. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to completely blank on his name, uh, but some great competitors and, and I've been doing it ever since. Um, 
and I'm not Federation Allegiant, man. USPA, all of them. If you lift heavy, you go after it. So it's every day of my life now. No, yeah, for sure. No, I, I, I appreciate that as a fellow, I guess, quote-unquote, lifter. And, and although I can lift nowhere near what you can, that's that's for sure. Uh, I, I definitely like to, uh, you know, put some stuff on the, the IG and say, hey, come get me. This is this is who I am. And then that's kind of where the Docs Who Lift series actually kind of started, you know, yeah. between the, the movement guys and uh, our, uh, and then uh, with Josh and, and all of them. We just basically just started talking junk to each other. And, and although I know I can live nowhere near them, uh, I just like, hey, you know, come, come get me. So that's kind of where the, the whole concept going, providers who actually not only do this stuff, um, or not only preach it, but also do it as well. So that's kind of the, the, the theme behind Docs Who Lift. And um, yeah. I don't know where – I actually, I don't know where we're going to take it, but it's actually pretty cool to see people who, who uh, treat the patients and also do it themselves rather than it being different. So. Well, and that's one of the biggest concepts behind clinical athlete and what drew yeah. me to it is that, you know, when Quinn first brought that idea to me and, and said, hey, do you want to be a part of this? I said, you're talking – my language. You're telling me that you want to get a, a, a network of people together who actually like work out and actually yeah. do what they're asking people to do. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Cause I sit here and tell people every day, physical activity is the only thing that we have any type of predictive measures to say that it decreases mortality rate. It yeah. increases uh, threshold for all these other things and chronic illness and everything is decreased. So why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you squat? Why wouldn't you deadlift? Or just get up and walk across your house. Like whatever you're capable of, do those things. Um, and that's the whole point of all of this. So, but back to what you lift, you're still young, man. You got a lot of time. <laughs> I'm getting old. You got time to catch up. I tell everybody, old is relative. Old is relative. But like, yeah, I will say, like you said, you kind of mid thirties in there. So yeah, Definitely shifted more to the coaching side for you, Kamsa. Yeah, master's lifting, man. Master's lifting. Yeah, absolutely. So cool. Yeah, so cool. I mean, you you mentioned uh, you mentioned coaching. Um, obviously, I um I dabble in in that very likely. Um, do some programming for uh for athletes as well. Coming off of injury, that's kind of where I found my warehouse in. Programming mm -hmm. for people that are healthy, happy, and healthy and moving is a little tougher on my end. Uh, for me, so I definitely kind of found a, a safe. Haven in, in those coming off an of injury, exactly what their sport required, doing a bunch of research about that, and then kind of going back and, and saying, hey, this is how we progressively load back into that. Mm -hmm. With that being said, it sounds like you do both for not only ad, uh, athletes coming off of injury, but also those that are already happy, healthy, and movement, uh, moving. First, tell me which one do you prefer uh, to, to, to program for? I know it's a hard question. And also, to tell me some, some ways that they differ, and obviously tell me the many ways that they are the same. I, oh man, which do I prefer to program for? Um, <laughs> I prefer to program for psychopaths. Uh, <laughs> but so recently I've, I've picked up a few strongman clients and I really, I really enjoy programming for strongman because it has so many applicable methods to carry over in the clinic. You know, yeah. they're always carrying things. There's always these odd positions. Um, the implement stuff is always pretty strange, but you also in that you have to have some level of conditioning and you have to have some level of maximal strength and work with the implements. So it's a, it's, it's very, com I don't want to say complex yeah. because, but it's a lot of things that you have to kind of balance. 
Um, I think all programming, one of the, I talked about it in a previous podcast with Quinn and Jared. Yep. I think a, a mistake that a lot of people make is they actually separate programming for elite athletes and for the general population as if there's some strange elite science to, you know, a, a, a big time athlete. When yeah. if you stick with the basics for a long enough timeline, you're going to see positive result for both. Right. You know, we, we, I understand for elite athletes, we're trying to eke out every little percentage point of performance, but that shouldn't be wasted or lost on the grandma who wants to stand up out of the church pew by herself. So you should try to eke out every little bit out of her too. And it just depends on where you scale that activity, right? Sure. How you manage that load, because obviously an elite level athlete is going to have a lot more recoverability right? They're going to have a better mindset and all these other things, mm -hmm. but you can get grandma Ethel to do the same thing. She just doesn't have the same capacity. She just doesn't have the same mentality. You just bring her to those things and you meet her there. Right. So that's, I find them to be actually exactly the same Yeah. outside of exercise selection is probably the, the big difference. Yeah, no, I, I, and I thousand percent agree with you. The reason why I like doing one over the other, more or less for me, is because, like you said, like I can kind of look at that end goal for um, that particular patient coming back from getting back to that sport. So getting them back to that sport is more what I like to just kind of see like, okay, good, now, now, uh, now all of a sudden you hit that PR again. All of a sudden you're, you're back to doing your whys, I guess in my field, you know, CrossFit more or less, or like, you know, dealing with a power. Okay, now all of a sudden you're back to your one red max that you were before. That's all I would do. Rather, you know, again, that athletic development, it's kind of a longer haul where we're talking mesocycle. We're talking maybe years down or we're talking that next competition four months out. And it's, it's kind of a long term, whereas those changes that I get per session kind of just, I'm like, oh, yeah. Or like, you know, dealing with an online client. It's like, okay, great. This week, all of a sudden, we're completely changing their programming because now they can do X, Y, Z. It just kind of helps me, you know, kind of get excited. Oh yeah. And, and I'll be honest with you. I think in, in regards to what makes me the most excited is yeah. either an athlete that has moved away or, or we've disconnected for a smart, short period of time or an old patient who messages me six months later and says, Hey, you know, that thing you taught me about X, Y, Z, it really paid off today uh, because we talk about self self-efficacy all the time. Right? right. And if I can pass on knowledge to my client base or to my, patient base and they can use it six months a year when I'm not even there. That's the, like the most rewarding thing in the world. Same thing. You got a, a CrossFit athlete that can't do butterfly muscle ups or uh, you know, whatever you want to call them. Yep. And all of a sudden they send you video of them like smashing them in a competition. That smile is like, you can't even put it away. Like, yeah. It's just huge. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And then I uh, like, uh, like right before we hopped on, you asked me how long I've been out now for a few months now. Um, but it was it was really 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 cool to the to treat some of the athletes here at the gym that I also coach at, and then kind of seeing them go to a competition and like seeing all the stuff that they worry about. It's funny because we had butterfly pull ups, we had uh, you know deadlifts, we had all the stuff the stuff that they used to be kind of afraid of. They were just snatching the pull, and like I just, like I basically just sat back for a moment, and been like, man, this is awesome. Yeah, this this is this is pretty cool. So I was able to appreciate that like firsthand. But like you said, like those ones that messaged you a couple months or weeks later, it's like, oh yeah, hey, you know, I understood what you were saying. I know why that was important. Um, and you know, I'm sure that you deal with this too. Sometimes giving them 
the permission at first to say, hey, look, you, you, you know, you're not quite where you like, like not quite where you want to be at. But eventually over time, you'll start to make your way slowly but surely back to what you want to be. So it's actually pretty cool to see. Yeah, it's just trying to get them in the driver's seat to understand that they're kind of the, the leader of the, the whole process. So. Yeah, we don't we don't fix anybody. You are 100% in charge. Hey, you fixed. Nope, you did. You, you just listened to me. You believe what I said. You tried it out. I made you a believer and we just kept going and we traded ideas. You told me, yeah, I want to do this. And we worked to it. And you told me, no, I don't care for that. Okay, great. We put it to the side and came back to it later. So pretty cool. So with that being said, um, you, uh, you, you got, you got onto me a little bit. There was, uh, some, 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 uh, some calling out of me, which is fine. I have, I have no problem with that. I have zero ego. I recently made a purchase. Okay. I oh, we're going to talk about the kinetic yes, gun or whatever. Yes, yes, yes. This is a podcast. Why not call me out on it? So I recently made a purchase. Okay. Uh, got, got, got some flat from the, from, uh, for some of my buddies online uh, on purpose. I put myself out there. I did it. I have no problem with doing that. I have zero ego. I'm a young clinician, obviously. Uh, I found it beneficial to my particular patient population. Uh, I Again, I address it in, in the way that I feel like I should, which is, hey, this is a temporary tool. We'll move it. We'll use it. And then we'll move on. But tell me some reasons why. I don't have to name the particular item. Why some therapeutic modalities, I guess that's the term that we like to use, are <laughs> as useful as we want them to be. In in tell me, you know, tell me some reason why you would and maybe in the past or even now might want to use a particular modality just to kind of have that short term. Please right. fire me up, man. Fire me All up. All right, look, I'm wipe, I'm rubbing my hands together right now. Yeah, cool. So look, let me let me preface this whole thing by saying that when I started off in the field and mm-hmm. as, as recent as four to five years ago, I did all that stuff. Yeah. I foam rolled people. I did Graston as soon as I could get a hand on the tool. Um, I, I was looking into dry needling research as right. soon as a friend of mine told me about it. Uh, ultrasound. I mean, God, in, in undergrad and grad school, ultrasound and, and STEM were like standbys, right? Yeah. I mean, you put them on everybody. Um, so my, my thought process and, and, Sometimes it's hard for people. I, I try to get this across as effectively as possible. I look at it two ways, right? So when it comes to some of the self-myofascial release techniques, when we start looking at Graston, we start looking at the Theragun, mm-hmm. even just foam rolling. The first thing, the, the first kind of burden of proof for me, or the burden of evidence is, A, show me what you're asking to be treated exists. Absolutely. Right? So you have to show me the concept or the, the foundation of the actual principle that you're trying to treat is acceptable or viable or probable, right? Second, show me that of that foundation, what you're doing actually has a physiological effect, Yep. right? Not, not a real fancy like neurophysiological effect that most people are going to go, Ooh, that's a long word. Yeah. Um, Show me, show me that it actually has an effect beyond placebo, right? And I'm not saying placebo effect is bad. What I'm saying is, and this is where some people, I lose some people, in regards to training economy or treatment economy, if I can find an alternative that's going to take time from that patient or from other patients or from other athletes or from your training session, 
Yep. I'd rather insert that block in there than use something that's going to spend time that doesn't have an effect or has the same thing as a placebo effect. So if I'll use foam rolling as, as a great example, because if you look at the research, it takes an extraordinary amount of force to actually <laughs> manipulate fascia at that level. Right. right. Now, with the Theragun, there's that perturbation stuff that Brooke Bush has brought up that I haven't been able to look too much into yet, so I, I can't speak on that. But with foam rolling, we know that it takes a ton of force. Ton of stuff. Yep. Yeah, right? So, plus, we start, start talking about how painful it is for most people. Mm -hmm. We start talking about pain perception, and we start talking about the complexity of pain. Rolling over bone problems, people just yeah. not knowing anatomy, like it just hurts sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So we can have that discussion right now, but that's going to be 40 minutes. Right? Yeah, no, it's not good. To me, it's one of those things where, so I know an active warm up of, of getting a barbell and going through the general movements is going to get the same effect as the foam roller yeah. in the same amount of time. Yeah. However, if I grab a barbell, say we're working on back squats and I loosen up within my tolerable range of motion and increase that over time, then the other benefit that I'm getting is load and skill practice. I don't get skill practice from a foam roller. Yeah. And I don't get load from a foam roller. Nope. So I'm not going to get, at least from what we're seeing in research, more long-term change. I understand sometimes the argument for particular patients or clients the window of opportunity that it presents. Mm -hmm. But I would much rather there be an education process to transition that away so the athlete is not reliant on an implement, on a, a, a clinician or something else. They're relying on themselves to understand how they can get through movement, scale it correctly to get to their workout without wasting time. Yeah. I've seen weightlifters spend... 45 minutes on a foam roller before they do anything. Yeah. And your training economy is shot. You've only got but so much time. Absolutely. And especially if you start talking about like CrossFit with wads and the yeah, ability yeah. and all that. We got stuff. an hour. Yeah, maybe yeah. for most clients. You, you gotta get going. You gotta go. You gotta yeah. get the strength in and on top of that, a wide into that, like you said, that short amount of window. So even for me as a coach, it's like, okay, where can I do that training economy where they get the best bang for their buck and then also to hit that strength where they want to, quote, unquote, feel ready for it. And yeah. then like I say, have that wide be just enough for them to, at the end of it, be like, boom, and still have two or three minutes left to talk to them, do some uh, some soft tissue stretching and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, but and there's plenty of times where you meet a, a patient or a client that they come in and this is their expectation. Mm -hmm. Start talking about client expectation. Yeah. Um, but again, if you start to transition them away from that, then that's optimally where we want to go. We want to educate and, and lead them into a way that they're not relying on those things. Because we don't want, and this is what I see, is, is people come in and they're given this 20, 25 minute long warm up, and then they finally start their workout, then hmm. you don't see them in the gym till next New Year's. Yeah, because yeah. there's not enough time. Yep. Well, their training economy's all jacked up. Right? Yeah. They're going to get more benefit from the actual training than the prepping for the training. So get them training. Yep. That's training is their rehab. Right? So we need to get them there and we need to get them there as, as quickly as possible and not waste time. So that's my, that's my take on it. 
110% agree with you. And I think that's the reason, and I think training economy is probably one of the largest reasons why I think CrossFit has gone, has blown up. is because people do feel like at the end of the, the session, at least that they are not only being coached, and rather it's, you know, expert coaching or not, if it's somebody that just they have no idea what they're doing, they had no, they had, I mean, they didn't have to think about the programming, and then they basically got a wad that kicked their butt. Now, let's say at the, you know, maybe even early on in CrossFit, we basically would just spend a lot of time finding wads that kick people butt, but I think they're starting to shift, well, I think the shift has already kind of happened, um, away from just finding wads, but now progressive loading and stuff like that. And I say that's not to other sports, but, you know, it does seem to be, um, something that has has helped in that aspect when it comes to strictly CrossFit, and I'm and I'm 100% biased on that. Well, no, I'll I'll be honest with you. As a as a powerlifter and, and weightlifter, I love CrossFit. Yeah, uh, and and you'll never hear my ilk say that. Yeah, but the reason I do is because I I mean I could be critical of step aerobics instructors back in the 80s. Yeah, everybody, every profession has people who probably shouldn't be doing their job. Right. It's just the way it is. Um, CrossFit has done an excellent job of teaching people how to work hard again, mm-hmm. giving platforms for us to expose people to high-level activity, mm-hmm. um, and it has become very efficient. And the one thing that I'll always stand by is it's created an incredible community Absolutely, that has spread into other sports where we used – I mean – Powerlifters used to max out pretty much every day. Every weightlifter I've ever met has asked me if I've done the Bulgarian method because <laughs> that's smart. Um, it, it's it's spilled over into other things and created a, a great fitness culture um, that that has its drawbacks, yes, but also has massive positives. Yeah, no, for sure. And and, and just to go all the way back to uh, you know at the start of this with different modalities and stuff like that. I 110% agree with you. I would say that the reason why, I mean, I'm not, I, mean, I don't have to defend myself, but the reason why I decided to make punches <laughs> is because of, you know, like I said, I do the pay the population. And, and I, I knew that this tool would not make me who I am. Um, I simply just used it just again to be that opportunity. And then even in that, so like, let's say someone is using a particular tool. I do active motions within, with, with, within the tool anyway. Hey, you lay here for a minute then like you might spend three or four minutes, you know, quote unquote, prime in that system. And then we'll hop you up and then get you back to strength training. It is obviously not for everybody. And then if, you know, I never want to become like that person is one of the many things that I do most of the time. It's just like any other manual therapy, uh, I guess, kind of session or moment for me. It's, it's time for me to get to know the patient. It's time for me to kind of get some stuff moving. Uh, education primarily is what I use it for. Hey, you feel this spot right here? Okay, that's the spot we want to kind of decrease. Obviously, you know, you might feel like it's jammed up or any medical term, quote unquote arthritis, whatever. But here, this is what's really happening in your body. And this is the reason why you feel this way. So that's the reason why I kind of was like, hey, look, you know, I'm putting myself out there. But my narrative for me, 110 percent is, is the same. It's a small opportunity, more or less 95 percent of what the changes is going to be is about us getting up and moving, loading it up, progressive loading. And then boom, we're, we're out the door. And I mean, just I'm saying bye to Miss Mary. And she, she thinks she came in for a, you know, five minute, you know, therapeutic or, you know, quote unquote therapy session on the side or whatever. But really we use the opportunity to I talk their head off about pain. And then we loaded it up the 95 minutes rest, you know, the other 55 minutes we had in, in uh, our session. So yeah, that's the reason why I, I, I like, um, I like, I like, I don't mind use, you using those tools at all. And I tell you, I have no idea why this is working. <laughs> I have no idea. We think we know. I have no idea why this makes you feel better. 
But more importantly, let's load you up afterwards. So, uh, and it's important. How do I want to say this? It's important that we make sure that the narrative does not shift to the implement or the tool. For sure, hundred percent. the environment that you're talking about, where you went to a competition and you might not have known all the people there, and it gives you an opportunity to actually speak with people because their expectations are probably for something like that. Yes, yes, sir. And it lets you at least have the the conversation. Yep. I don't want to say I'm a little bit more lenient, but I understand a little bit more. Yeah. Um, because it is very difficult in a situation like that where they, this is what they want. This is, and they're not going to talk to you otherwise. Cause I considered it, I considered a powerlifting uh, competition and say, Hey, I'm here to help you get warmed up. And if nobody's going to come talk to me, if I don't have, and, and that's unfortunate yep, and I, I I think that that's what makes this difficult because I think I, I hope at some point I could announce that and people will walk over and start a conversation with me and not require because the narrative is so widespread mm-hmm. that this is necessary, right? That the, the, the gadgets around me are necessary. I want that to be gone. Yeah. Me too. I want those to stop. And I want, I want people to come for suggestions on how to modify their warm up through better movement or how to, you know, squat better or whatever it may be, as opposed to, Oh, he's got a Theragun or he's got a metal blade to scrape on me or needles to throw into my body. Absolutely. Um, I, I want them to get away from the tools and look more into themselves as opposed to the narratives that's currently widespread. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, I use the opportunity for each, you know, the individuals for, for this particular event to talk to them about that. I said, hey, look, this is just one of the many things that we do. The most important reason why you're here on this table is so we can get you ready to go back out there and hit your PR. Like, I could, <laughs> like this is just a small, like, little thing right here. More or less me talking to you about, you know, how to decrease your symptoms, having them hop up, do some deadlifts or have, have them hop up and, like, do some, uh, or I guess turn around and do, do some prone press ups or, any of the other stuff that I had them do during this activity was more important to calm down their system. Symptoms, like you say, it was just a, a, a fire starter, more or less. But then, I mean, we really got the burn in during our talks and then what they did afterwards. So 110% agree with you. And it's all, it's all a learning process. It becomes very difficult. We, we've learned so much about language and its impact and physical activity and its impact that, you know, you, you come with guard, almost guarded language. And I've noticed with a lot of newer clinicians, they actually almost get paralyzed because of all the, the language stuff that's out there. Yeah. We will make mistakes as clinicians. We will. Um, we probably are right now because we still don't really know that much. Um, yeah. We're just trying to get closer to the truth. I don't think any of us actually know the truth. So understanding that you're, you're gonna, you're going to mess up, you're going to make mistakes and you, even with your language, you just have to be as, as careful as possible and as positive as possible and do the best that you can. Um, and at times you're going to have clinicians that are going to call you out on it. Please, please. Because do. I mean, I know that if I do something that uh, Quinn doesn't like, or Michael Ray doesn't like, or Derek Miles doesn't like, I'm going to get a message. So you know, it's, we, we, we have to keep in each other in check because I think we've run, we've run amok long enough. 
Yeah, and you know, obviously, like from even me getting some slack, I had no letdown. I said, "Hey, look, this is this is what I, this is what I'm doing. This is how this is how I'm dressing it up." And you know, at the end of the day, I can still sleep good at night because I know that no modality in the world can 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 take away from obviously the strength and strength training and stuff that we do afterwards. And I, I'm I'm comfortable with with what with what I'm doing. And you know, any clinician or any patient or anybody that's listening to this hope that you take away from the fact that, you know, this conversation that we're having is that it's not about any of the tools. It's, it's more or less the self-efficacy that you get at the end of the day to say, hey, now all of a sudden I know how to warm up. Now all of a sudden I know the activities I need to to calm my symptoms down. And now I'm going to go out there and lift heavy things and put them back down multiple times so regardless of yep. what that is. Yeah. Yep. Let sure. the evidence lead you when you start to try to throw things to the side. Yeah, no, it's uh, uh yeah, I I hear Mark in my head. He said, "Go back to your hypothesis." I'm like, I don't know. He said, "Go back to your hypothesis." What you know, what movement hypothesis do you think is effective? I'm like, oh yeah. And then if you go back to that, like you said, the evidence or what you've seen and with objective data, not what you think is working. Um, then okay, great. I let that guide me each each and every time. Awesome stuff, man. This is like I said, call me up, man. Keep keep, keep rocking and roll. That's why I do these podcasts. Absolutely. Really, yeah. absolutely for sure. So um. So cool. I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I, I, I think we said 30, 35 minutes, somewhere in there. Yeah, man, it's up to you. I can talk all night. Yeah, talk all night. So cool. So what's, um, so uh, obviously what's, what's next when it comes to clinical stuff? I know that you're putting out some stuff with Quinn. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, um, we're, we're doing a lot more stuff with clinical athlete. That's uh, going through some changes. That's all, you know, Quinn's to announce and, and, mm -hmm. and his partner, Derek to announce. Um, I, I'm currently working very hard on a pretty large project uh, for clinical athlete. It was announced today that Jared Maynard, the CEU coordinator, is a intro to pain science class. It's going to be awesome. Oh yeah, um, it's going to be great. Uh, if you want, um, I have a link to that. If you want to pre-buy it, uh, it launches January first. Um, other than that, uh, it's it's just it's grinding it out. It, dealing with athletes every day and trying to, to build the the three programs that I have as big <laughs> as possible. So Yeah, no, I mean you're you're definitely staying busy. Um I can definitely understand that sentiment. I, I don't think I ever have any free time, but I got some free time and I fill it up with stuff, but I never have any free time. It's just it's just crazy. Yeah. I try to stay as, as busy and hopefully I can have your kind of success by doing so. So uh, I don't know man. It, success is uh is relative. Yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is that, that just like everything else that we do. It it really just depends. I, I yeah, I definitely enjoy. Um I say I tell my people all the time whenever they can hear me, I say, Hey, look, I have this type of model in my life, so I can take a nap midday. I mean I have to. I, I, yeah. But yeah, but I take that midday, but then I work my tail off in the morning, nap midday, work my tail off in the afternoon. It's 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 fun, but you know, like you said, success is relative whether it's tied to a monetary value or like you said, it's just, you know, getting people out there and being successful or being, you know, well-known and, you know, just putting out really good content uh, that is efficient and evidence-based yeah. uh, is, is more or less what I'm, what I'm aiming for. Who cares about the, the money stuff? So go. I mean, it builds some house. All, all that stuff comes with time. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm, I am in no rush. I, I like the slow grind. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So cool. In closing, um, you know, obviously plug plug everything that you can. Uh, like you said, you'll, you'll you'll have the link for that. Um, like if you want me to share that out with people before before it, it gets dropped, I have I have a problem putting it in the show notes. Um, this episode coming out super duper soon, so people will definitely able to listen to it. I not only click on that link and then just kind of pre-order it and, and get stuff started. 
Yeah, you can find me on Clinical Athlete's website, clinicalathlete.com. And my Instagram handle is at rebuildstrongeronline. Uh, it's where I'm most active. Uh, you can friend me on Facebook, uh, fairly active on there. I'm on Messenger all the time because that's where all my clients hit me yeah. up because um, Instagram cut all the direct message videos by like 15% for me. So I don't understand why that is. But all my client videos go to Messenger. So most of them are on there. Um, and if you have any questions for me, uh, Instagram, Facebook Messenger works really well, uh, anything like that. So, and if you want the link to that webinar for Jared, let me know because that it's going to be really good. And that cool. is clinicians or patients or clients. It's, oh, it's an yeah. intro developed course. So, and I think it's five CEs for PTs, man. Oh man, yeah, yeah, definitely got to get my, yeah, definitely get myself in. I got to start racking up on those hours. Those six yeah, months, dude. What do you guys need? Sixty months or something like that of like something. I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna start going ahead and wrap through those. Uh, been been trying to collect a bunch of funds and uh, doing some some PRN work to make sure I collect all the money up to start dropping in some CEU courses. Yeah, so, dude, get a MedBridge subscription, man. Yeah, no, for yeah, I, I got a whole list of stuff. Just like, all right, check, 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 check. So definitely, you know, looking to, to start just kind of um, going through all that. So cool. Appreciate it, John, man. Um, I'll have all that stuff in the show notes for anybody that want to just scroll down a little bit, click on his his info and it should pop up to your profile on IG and on Facebook, man. And uh, I can't wait to have this, this chat again. Uh, Absolutely, man. Anytime. You know it. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, well, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the High Impact Health Podcast. Continue to stay healthy. Well, um, and obviously always increase your sports performance. Have a good Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the High Impact Health Podcast with your host, Dr. Diana Jones. It would mean the world to me if you were to hand over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from and just leave me a review or a like or a follow or a subscribe, any of those things that help push the podcast forward. Share it out to a friend or two, right? All this will help me to not only be able to deliver the best content, but help get this knowledge out there more and more. And it allows me to do more of these podcasts, right? The more people we have listening, the more we can kind of spread it out there, too. So, again, uh, please like, follow, share um, the podcast, and I appreciate that in advance. Thank you.